that's a Monday, you guys. It is. One of the Mondays of all time. <laughs> December 4th. This happens on on early days in December. Of this card has come up multiple times, this one card. <laughs> four, four years ago? Yeah, the last time this card came back, I was trying to get home from a trip so I could buy list eight copies of this particular card <laughs> before it was banned. <laughs> Well, now now you've got it. Now four is four years hold holdle. You know, you know. I, I kind of I buy magic cards the way that Andrea Mangucci taught me, which is buy high and never sell. And that's <laughs> I mean, I'll be exactly. honest, it, it probably worked out for you in this case because I checked on TCG earlier and I think they were already at twenty five dollars. So yeah, oh, surprise! What? <laughs> it happened surprise. instantaneously. Am I ever going to use this card? Am I ever going to use Splinter Twin? Why is Splinter Twin twenty five dollars again? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 252 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and bans for the casual spike. My name is Shane, here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from Massachusetts, it's the one and only Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwake. You streamed all day, right? We had we had to cut you off. Well, I was, tell- I was telling Dave earlier, what happened was they made the announcement at 11 a.m. my time, but the actual bans didn't go into effect on Magic Online until 3 p.m. Eastern my time. Oh, no. So I had to like, we, we kind of just chilled on stream for a little bit, built a bunch of copter decks. Then I was like, I'm just going to take a break and then come back at 3. So it was good, though. Well, I'm sure we will talk about those. Um, it's, a, it's a wild world of Pioneer for you to explore. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Dave didn't interrupt me this time. So also with us, it's a Godfather Dave Harbacher. I'm just so off of my game. From from today that I uh, I had a weird I had like a long day at work like a good long day at work but I was in my office on a Monday for the first time ever I had a bad long day yeah yeah I had a long meeting that at the end of the day that was an an hour and a half long and then I had to run out and then I realized I hadn't done any notes I hadn't read the the BNR uh, announcement I had just uh, I knew what had happened but it was uh, it was a, a ponderous drive home. <laughs> but I did figure out what I am really going to do with part of my New Year's resolution also um, for ask for for Christmas, which is um, I am going to finally get my hall of shame of cards that I have that are banned <laughs> so that I can hang them on the wall and turn them into art instead of having a, uh, you know, them just in boxes still. So uh, how about banned cards that you never cast? In real life. I do have a few of those. I don't have many, but I do have a few. One of them was today. Oh, uh, we'll talk more about that. I, I have some banned cards uh, that I got in Russian that were banned in routes. Yeah, that's always funny. <laughs> yeah, like the, those are old. Those are from back in the day. Like I think they're the Once Upon a Times. Oh, right. Uh, Russian Once yeah. Upon a Time for Tron. I still have a couple of <laughs> a couple of packages that haven't come in yet for the Geological Appraiser deck. So No. <laughs> Oh man! Well, move so they never get you. Then, you, then you can get a refund. It's worth it. And for you to hold these unbanned cards, not the banned ones. I mean, I guess you could hold them in these, but that would be uh, a bad use of high quality equipment. We've got Heavy Play, our now longtime sponsor, a new card gaming accessories brand. Improves your gameplay and your game day as you take your new experimental decks to your FNM, LGS. Uh, who knows? RCQ. Or RC of your choice. They have uh, playmats, deck boxes, card sleeves, all featuring enhanced ergonomics, enhanced mobility, enhanced protection. I love the stuff. Uh, Heavy Play's unique equip mag system allows you to ABC, attach, 
bundle and carry all of your gaming gear in a single hand, slide it easily in and out of your backpack, game bag, whatever the heck you want to use. You can get these perhaps at your LGS or shop now at heavyplay.com. You can use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off of your first order there. The dive down 2023. Shane, I have to ask, please keep it down. My, my child. Is <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what is going on? It's uh, what? 3 a.m. there? 4. 2 a.m.? 2. Who yeah. can sleep on a day like this? <laughs> You're like a kid on Christmas. You're like, I remember in the Discord today, you were like, my, my heart's kind of pounding. And you know what else I did in the Discord today? Tried to get Dave to commit to giving me one smuggler's copter. He won't do it. He won't commit. He won't. I, I've noticed that. I noticed he did not confirm. Next time I see you, buddy, we're, I'm going to give you a nice scooter. firm handshake and here you go. Bring it to Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to see him. Stan's, Stan's going to be here a little bit before that for, for other stuff. So I, I I will see him soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for holiday. I, I don't want to commit OPSEC, but yeah. <laughs> I guess we should mention that... Um, at least Shane, Stan, Dave, we're trying to convince Doom to, we're all going to be in Chicago for the Magic Con uh, 2023. So we will talk more about that when the time is coming close. But if this convinces you, if you're like, I, I've got to see these three Jokers, perhaps four. Yeah. And also this will be roughly like the, let's call it the five-year anniversary of the dive down. Kind of. It's a couple months after it. We're going to have some kind of party. And if you're nice to us, maybe we'll invite you. We'll also be at the official after party at at Chicago's classic House of Blues. True. True. Yes. We are at the official after party. We got tickets. I'm going to do some karaoke if I can get in the queue. It's going to be a long queue. Magic players love karaoke. They do. They really do. I just checked flights again. They're still only 150, so I'll have to think about it. Don't think too hard. Just do. We can help you. We can hook. You. We can. We can. We can make it easier for you. Whatever. However you want to make it easy, you let us know. Whatever that means. One thing I did want to mention real quick. When we're talking <laughs> about heavy play. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Randy said I uh, wanted me to make sure to mention to all of our listeners that they're going to be in Atlanta. So if y'all are in Atlanta and you want to check out the heavy play stuff, definitely, uh, definitely go go give Randy say hi to Randy. Yeah, tell him we sent you. All right. So on this week's show, we're talking bands and an unbanned. I guess mostly bands. The December 4th BNR announcement has dropped. We are here to provide you with some takes. We will talk about the announcement itself, the impacts to Pioneer and Modern, and I guess our thoughts on things moving forward. Should be fun, should be take-filled. We've got Stanislav on the line, so it's going to be even better than I expected. So I mean, yeah, we got all four of us. Un- unbelievable. Look at that smile on Stan's face. I'm so excited. I'm excited to see you guys too, but I'm excited Stan surprised us with this. And uh, what a day. Oh, good. Having some orange juice to keep keep it going tonight. That's right. Perfect. Perfect. I'm sure our editor is over the moon with having to deal with aligning four of us perfectly, but it'll be fine. This, He'll this figure is what we're paying for. Exactly. All right. Where, where do we want to start? Are we going to read this thing? Yes. We should start with housekeeping probably, David. Oh, housekeeping. Okay. I got you. I got you, housekeeping. We're going to do this fast. No new patrons. No increased tiers. If you would like to support us, please check us out at patreon.com slash the dive down where you know you're going to get swag you're going to get discord if you join our nation of lovely people who we talk to all the time uh we did have some new reviews on spotify specifically it's still kind of popping off in the spotify comments william salvador s ferdy k and alan and by the way there were about two or three thousand people who we were the number one podcast for on spotify this year i believe that's crazy and that is great 
And thank That's, you so well, much. I, I didn't know we got those stats, Dave. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, we got the stats. It's something around that number. Yeah, I think it's around 2,000, which is really nice. And so, you know, thanks so much for, for listening on Spotify. And if you got us as your number one, uh, let us know if you're one of those people who's in the like top half percentile of fans or whatever for the dive down. We'd love to see it. Get us on Twitter with that. You can check out our store at thedivedown.com slash store. Check it out. We'll be hopefully launching some new stuff next year. We're not doing it yet, but we'll be, we'll, we're still looking at it. Uh, Mana Traders, you can check out Mana Traders. We love Mana Traders. You can rent new cards for this new world in Pioneer and Modern. Use code THEDIVEDOWN23 to get 10% off your first two months of rentals with Mana Traders, manatraders.com. And then finally... I will say, Dave, that that code should be changing soon. So watch this space. If it doesn't work, then you're like, check our Twitter or the webpage. We'll have updated codes there. And then Barrister Man, you know, we will talk a little bit more about Barrister Man a little bit later in the show, but go check out Barrister Man. They have great new products that have launched for this holiday season. A gift for that person who is hard to shop for is perfect from Barrister and Man. The the Dive Down 23, those numerals are spelled out. And this particular code now gets you, what does it get you, Shane? I forget, 15% off your first order. That sounds right. All right. Will, thank you so much for your support all this time. And now we will get into the meat of the show, which is going to be absolute chaos because <laughs> this was announced less than less than 12 hours ago. And we have day jobs and Devin was working on stream. And so we don't have a lot of notes. It's not going to be structured, but let's see where it goes. Figure it yeah, out. Yeah, uh, I mean, pull up this page with me, y'all. Mm-hmm. I've, got the, I've got the BNR announcement and we'll get the cool stuff out of the way and get into some details. Pioneer. Karn the Great Creator is banned. Geological Appraiser is banned. Smuggler's Copter is unbanned. And then in Modern, Fury is banned. Up the Beanstalk is banned. Full stop. The end. Wow. Is it the end? I had the over-under for net cards in this announcement at two. Because I strongly thought there was going to be a Modern unban. There was not a Modern unban. So, you know, we got two bans in Pioneer, one unban, two bans in Modern. Yeah. Before we get into like the announcement details, I don't know if you all spent time actually reading this or anything like that. I just wanna I just wanted to go on the record saying I thought this was a good announcement. I thought it was like pretty thorough, pretty well reasoned. I don't think it surprised anybody. I think this is kind of like if you asked for the five cards people thought were going to have some kind of change, I think these are like the five people would list. This is kind of like exactly what I saw people referring to. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think this is what people thought six weeks ago. No. No. But but it is what we thought for the last week because they all but told us that it's going to be these five cards. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Did they tell yeah. Smuggler's Copter though? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that's a surprise, personally. Well, so they did insinuate that they're willing and considering an unbanned pioneer, and I think most people connected the dots that Copter was the only one that seemed like it wouldn't be a disaster out the gate, or or it wouldn't be a combo piece, basically. Mm. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Wouldn't be a combo piece, the key part there, right? I mean, we'll talk more about this later, but I think like Smuggler's Copter being unbanned was one of the first things I th- saw people mention it seemed like one of those things like hey this happened a long time ago it's a potentially safe unban it's potentially fun unban so let's see what happens type thing so you know i personally 
not too surprised, but yeah, I think for the most part, like these changes are, are again, that's pretty much what I expected. I, I kind of figured Carnage Geological. I think those were kind of the obvious bands and Pioneer, uh, Fury and Beanstalk. They did mention those cards. I mean, I you know if, if a lot of people in my chat had asked me what card could be unbanned in pioneer and i would say i mean if you look at the list it's probably smuggler's copter but i never thought they would pull the trigger and uh you know i'm i'm very pleasantly surprised to see that they did yeah and we'll get into these kind of details later i just i think the most interesting thing to me was how much <laughs> dave's just uh showing what he's got with dave's like rich five plus smuggler's copters that's like seven hundred dollars right there exactly <laughs> They they didn't focus on like concrete statistics like win rate or play rate or even like the undefinable fun factor type things. What I think they really focused on in this this announcement were options. Like they focused on removing cards that were in their eyes like suppressing a diverse or interesting metagame. And we'll get into all you know what options this perhaps was suppressing as we get into this announcement itself. But I think overall, I'm pretty happy if like this is the general model of announcement that we should expect going forward. Like me personally, I'm a data person. I would like more reference to some hard data, but like maybe they've realized that's not the story that they like want to or need to be telling to the public here. I don't know if any of you all have any any thoughts about the announcement overall itself, like the tone. It actually kind of felt a little short to me, but I guess this means that people would actually read it. So I don't don't know what I was looking (laughs) for that was more than this, but yeah, there weren't any stats, but that's fine. I think they explained what they were doing really well. These cards, it makes a lot of sense why they would be be banned. I don't think the arguments are very like long for what they're doing. Obviously, once we get into the formats individually, there might be some other things that we talk about about like other paths they could have taken. But um, this seemed like what was going to happen, and it's what happened. All right. One of the first boring things we'll talk about, but it does have implications for, I think, how we want to think about these type of announcements going forward is they were more a little bit more concrete about the ban cadence and what their previous announcement meant and how they were thinking about this going forward. And they really said they're operating with like a slightly more flexible announcement cadence. And really what that means is that <laughs> geological appraiser Devin's holding pennies while Dave's holding Benjamins. The So these announcements are going to occur two to five weeks after each set's release. And what they were saying is that this allows them to capture more data from larger events, so like Pro Tours, ensuring that the changes are made before the next set begins previewing, which I that's very funny because previews happen so early now. So they really just said, we want to establish a clear p- picture of each format before you start evaluating and quote unquote, collecting Mm. cards from the next set. Yes, I only collect Mm. cards. I do not purchase cards. I never Mm. buy. I only collect. That's why they call you Trade Binder Shane everywhere you go. (laughs) Building on your collection. I was going to say, I just tape them. I just tape them directly into a binder next to each other. Like I put them in. I even use those photo sheets, you know, just like stick it right down. It's fine. (laughs) Perfect. So there's a window following each main set release and changes to basically everything but standard can happen during any of these windows. And they said that the next such window in 2024 is around March 11th, following the release of Murders at Karlov Manor. So basically hoping to get some good data. They're going to look at larger tournaments, I imagine. They're going to hope to have some kind of event that they can get some decent data on versus just like things like leagues, I suppose. I mean, in this case, they're going to have MagicCon Chicago a couple of weeks before that. So there will be there will be plenty of data from the various events that happen at that, whether it's you know plenty of high-profile data for sure. I, I do want to say real quick, 
I think personally, lots of people have lots of opinions about when there should be ban windows, when there should be announcements of bans. They've tried lots of different strategies at WOTC. I think that tying it to set releases is the thing that makes the most sense to me personally, because the set releases are the only dates on the calendar that don't really move around. And you know what they are months and months in advance. So regardless of whether something's going to happen or not, you know, we have things happen where people are like, well, why couldn't they wait till after my tournament to announce this thing? Why couldn't they wait till after the RC in Atlanta to announce this? And I think if they are going to be fair or clear about their communication, you know, number one, Magic's not just about gaming that happens in North America, right? Like there's different people who have different, in different cultures who have different times when they might play a Magic tournament that matters a lot. But also tournaments come and go and different series get different importance over time. And Wizards can't really always anticipate what's going to be important to people in the competitive scene. But so I think that tying it to when they're actually releasing the product makes the most sense to me personally. And I, I feel really bad for people who were planning on playing geological in uh atlanta devon uh <laughs> but the um you know i i just don't i don't know whatever their answer there is that's really good and fair and certainly we we did the thing where they didn't tell anybody when a band was coming for a long time and that was just like constant chaos so i would much rather have this sort of every quarter we have to go okay are we gonna have a ban this time are we not gonna have a ban this time what do we have i think that's much better than just never knowing what's gonna happen and having to hear about it constantly personally I think the biggest issue with this specific tournament too, like if you're if you want to you know target Atlanta, the issue was that because of the DreamHack schedule, they had to like move the RC to not line up with the rest of the RCs. Like you know you'll notice the very first RC was in September, which was three months ago, and three months later we're still in the same RC season. So if we had had you know the tournaments spaced out the way that they should have been, then we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because there wouldn't be a ban list right before the last RC. You know. Right. We'd still be talking about it, but we wouldn't be yeah. having the feeling bad for everybody at the RC conversation, which I think is true. But I, I do think that, that uh, you know, that sort of lends a little bit of evidence to kind of what I was saying, too, which is just like there's all these external factors that Wizards cannot really control when yep. it comes to the actual tournaments. And so it's better to just say we're not gonna we're gonna this is the this is the metric that we're using. And it's something that everybody can find out what it is pretty easily. I think I, I, I prefer this to what's been going on the last couple of years. Sure. Agree. Well said. Sounds like someone listened to our last episode. The hmm, maybe I did. Maybe I did. I was I was you know chilling in a hot tub eating turkey legs and and oh man, have you guys seen those Costco pumpkin pies? Have you seen those Costco yeah, pumpkin? They're pies? enormous. It's like eighteen inches in diameter. There was like five of us at this dinner, and we had, we somehow ate the Costco pumpkin pie over like three days. It was I never I'm never going to recover. I'm never going to recover from this. Let's talk about Pioneer. Okay. We want Pioneer to provide as diverse an experience as possible. Okay. Flat out. First thing they said, we want Pioneer to provide a, as diverse an experience as possible. It is a place where you can have fun using cards from past standard environments without content being printed directly into it. Please keep that the same, Watsy. Yes. Or having content naturally rotate out of it. Our plan is to return 
to a more active role in managing Pioneer. Moving forward, we'll be actively using our main set release, banned and restricted announcement cadence to take better care of Pioneer. This sounds like a mea culpa. Yeah, just wanted to kind of quickly point out for the listeners who may have not been following Pioneer since its inception. Back when Pioneer was first introduced as a format, they would frequently have ban announcements, sometimes even every single week, but frequently at, at least once a month, sometimes every other week. And it was kind of, you know, what they were really getting the format to where they wanted it to be. Um, and, you know, ever since then, it's kind of, you know, they, they maybe have not done so as much. Now, are we going to go back to every single month? Probably not. But, you know, this is this is a, a nice step forward. I'm really surprised when they mentioned that the last cards that were banned in Pioneer were June 7th, 2022. Do you all yeah. remember what cards were banned in June of 2022? Uh, Luris, Expressive. Yeah. I think there was, that was the Minota ban too, right? It was EI and Winota. Yeah, yeah, it was not. Luris had already been banned. Okay. Yeah, at this point, I I have to assume since otherwise I haven't been playing the best deck in Pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's surprising to me. Bit of a mea culpa, right? It's kind of like, hey, we haven't been paying as close enough attention to Pioneer as we could. Um, let's we'll, we'll be focusing on this in the BNR cadence, which is what, like every three or so months with all the new set releases. But why why do we think they haven't been paying attention to Pioneer as quote unquote paying attention to Pioneer as much as they could? I don't know. I do not know. Well, I think part of it was was probably format popularity. I, I, at least for MTGO, which is a data source that we see, the Pioneer leagues were always noticeably smaller than the modern leagues. Perhaps they saw from the RCQ cycle that that was not necessarily the case in paper play and that a lot of people were very engaged, though. I think you could also look at kind of the same same stuff that we do a bit, which is like, hey, all these decks are like 45 to 55%. This is this seems like a quote-unquote healthy format. And it hadn't changed. It hasn't changed a lot, really. If you look at last year's RCs, what decks were popular for them, like when we went to Atlanta last year, it's not you know, the decks aren't that, that much different. I mean, there's a few new ones, of course, Devin, as we've, as we've learned about a couple different times, but you know, there's still Rakdos mid, there's still mono green here and there. There's still like Phoenix. There's still other thing, Lotus, like a lot of them are similar. And so maybe they're, they felt for a while, like you said, that, that stability was a positive, but maybe they're realizing that it's not quite as positive as it should be. And certainly this first ban really is about hey, maybe things have gotten stale more than anything else, I think. Yeah, it's interesting, too, though, that we we have seen somewhat recently, especially like the release of one card or a couple cards has dramatically shifted the meta game, uh, even with established decks, right? Like with the printing of Sleight of Hand, pushing and other metagame factors, pushing Phoenix back into like a tier one position. Picklock Prankster. Yeah, and uh, things like Borrow's Convoke kind of showing up. Yeah. And, or even just uh, like Rakdos Sacrifice making like a big comeback and going from, you know, popular deck to not so popular back to one of the tier one, tier two strategies. It's, it's, I'm a little bit surprised. I, I think that's why you can look at that rather and, and say, hey, Pioneer seems fine. Decks come and go. We get new people, we get new decks people are experimenting with. Sometimes they stick around and that's good enough. But lurking behind all of this, all this time was the big bad. Karn, the great creator, which is now banned. And what they said here is that even though the metagame share, this is, I love stuff like this, even though the metagame share and win rate of monogreen Nykthos decks, they call them, have been within a reasonable range, the deck has simply been a large component of the Pioneer metagame for most of the format's lifetime. This is going directly to what you said, Dave, right? Which is just like, hey, this deck has been around and been popular and been good forever. 
Also, this is the deck that they've been banning cards out of since week one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? There's, what, three cards banned out of it now? Or or I guess Oath of Nyssa went and came back, but... Devin, the great creator, on camera now. I'm sad. I mean, I, I can honestly say, from my heart, Devin, and don't take this the wrong way, I literally do not care about this band. I hate Karn, the great oh, creator. Oh, I hate it too. Okay. <laughs> and I hate Mono Green Devotion. Me too. I've never wanted to play this deck or play against this deck. Uh, so, good riddance, I, I say. My wallet again, doesn't hate it, but... <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I mean, it's definitely based on more of a feels than like reels thing for me there, but it is what it is. Like, I don't like playing against Tron and Modern. I don't like playing against this deck in Pioneer either. So, uh, I will say I do have a fondness. It was mono green, like walkers, as it was mostly called back in the early days of this deck. I, d- I liked playing that a lot with like Nissa who shakes the world and Vivian and just doing stuff like that was great before people discovered a lot of the infinite combos or kind of the you know, Karn had more of a narrow uh, wishboard and things like that. I really, I did enjoy that. It was quite good back then too, but it wasn't quite the force that it became later on. Just to give you an idea of how long, how long this deck has been dominant for, the Magic Online Championship showcase that I won with Mono Green Tr- or with Mono Green Karn uh, was two and a half years ago, and it really was not <laughs> that much different. Like I think I played Nissa, who shakes the world, and some other like weirdo planeswalkers, but it still had like fifteen one ofs and a Karn sideboard. So yeah, it's it's been around for a while. Yeah. yeah. So the rationale here though is that the force of monogreen devotion causes the metagame to either try to go underneath it or try to ignore what it's doing with their own combo strategy, effectively bending the metagame due to its existence. The consistency and strength of the deck also make it very difficult for various types of fair mid-range strategies to exist. Um, Rakdos mid-range? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Seems like it's sure. existing fine. Sure. That, that, that clause of that sentence is a little sus, sus to me, but okay. So, okay, Karn's range is so broad, it can facilitate convoluted infinite combos. I agree, they are convoluted. That make the format less approachable. Okay, that's a little bit of a fun factor thing. At little to no opportunity cost. Additionally, Karn's ability to naturally suppress artifacts is like likely keeping a spread of interesting cards from being played. Um, while it's recently been on the decline, blah, 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 it's clear that the deck has had a warping effect on the metagame for too long, and for these reasons, KTGC is banned. Okay. Any one, thoughts on this rationale? One thing, I, the only thing that I want to kind of critique about this now, don't get me wrong. I hate Karn as much as the next person, but they did say, uh, you know, uh, they make the formulas at little to no opportunity cost. There is a massive opportunity cost with losing your sideboard. So, you know, I, Again, I hate Karn as much as the next person, but it really is not, you know, no opportunity cost. You lose your entire sideboard. Yeah, yeah. My my biggest question here, I guess, and I do you, Shane, are we okay with talking about this in context about like what happens next? Because I think this is kind of its own self-contained little thing. Whatever you want to talk about, Dave. It's 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 your conversation. I'm just in it. We're just vibing. Does, does this kill this deck? I, I don't think this no. kills this deck. It's just a different deck now. Kind of, right? You know, it's a slightly you know, different deck. You know what's funny? I actually lost to Mono Green Devotion on stream today with no Karn. There you go. <laughs> they just turned four Oldemog to me, and like that was just good enough. Yeah. I mean, are they doing? What do you? What did it? Did it look like you could tell kind of what this person was trying instead of Karn? They had is some. Vivi- is Vivian back? They had some weird stuff. They had like Collected Company, Burning Tree Emissary. So I don't know if you would want to play Collected Company. But yeah, I think that there are versions like I was kind of crafting up one a couple of days ago because we all kind of assumed like in my Discord, we assumed that that was going to go. So we were kind of theory crafting like what it looked like without Karn. And it was, yeah, just like Vivian Arcbow Ranger, uh, a couple sideboard bullets like with an Ulamog, obviously, and then just like Burning Tree Emissary back the way that that it used to be. 
And that deck was good before Karn, so. Yeah. You know? And I'm so it rubbing goes. my hands together. Just one, thinking about thinking about that. One really nice thing. So yes, the deck is probably still playable without Karn, but Karn I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. It really puts a lot of pressure on the control decks and the mid-range decks because it feels like you just have kind of this endless like value or resource loop and the deck is a lot more susceptible to one for one removal without having the additional like two or three for one that Karn was. That's a good way to put it. Does losing the combo option truly significant for this deck? Like I honestly have not played with or against this in forever. And it was really after the combos were discovered that I faced it even less frequently. And and just from my interaction with Pioneer. So I, I don't really know how much people were actually using that particular tech. Doesn't come up that much. They always have access to it though. You know, like you always keep the, I don't even remember what the card is called anymore. Is it the chain veil? Yeah, and the cauldron. Yeah, the cauldron. Like yeah, you always keep those in the sideboard because they do end games. So whether or not... So does Cavalier of Thorns. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So does... uh, Man, I forgot the name of the the giant Coco. Yeah. Storm the Festival. Festival. Storm, yeah. 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 So, okay. So we... I mean, I don't know if there's a lot more to say about Karn going. Obviously, it cha- we'll talk about winners and losers overall, maybe once we get to the end of this Pioneer section. But, you know, I don't think it, you should, like, sell off your Nykthoses right now if you are someone who plays mono green. I, I feel like Nykthos probably is safer in general, because for a long time, people were saying that maybe Nykthos is the problem in this deck. And it makes me feel like they keep banning around Nykthos. They keep banning all these payoff cards and letting the engine survive so maybe like unless mono green really goes over the top yet again they might just let nykthos exist the way they've let treasure cruise exist yeah, i was gonna say exactly that stan which is I, I imagine that one of their identities for green in the format is a devotion strategy right like much like blue gets the the card draw stuff and other decks of course but it's you know it's it's the the counter magic card advantage and, and green has things like elves and things like devotion so let's let's keep that going for a while and see if if we can maintain those identities without being as annoying or as potentially busted as Karn. Well, see, my, my kind of question is, are we approaching like a brainstorm territory in Legacy, where if you look at the Pioneer ban list, now we have Leyline of Abundance, only banned because of green, Karn banned because of green, Oath of Nyssa used to be banned, then unbanned only because of green. Like, is this just going to keep happening where there's we're going to they're going to print some other card that's good with green devotion and we're going to be having this conversation in a year and a half it's like at what point do we just have to you know get rid of the problem i think it's a great question i don't have an answer for that question but it's certainly the way i kind of feel about it too which is just like okay like a storm the festival going to be the next thing that we ban yeah. <laughs> you know but i don't know it, it, we'll have to see how good the deck even is at this point but i don't know you know green People want a good ramp deck in a lot of formats, and this is what it is in Pioneer, and I think people should be happy that it's still playable now, you know what I mean? Which seems fine, and we'll see how good it is after what else happens here. And I, I think importantly, like like Devin mentioned, is it, it frees up the sideboard in a lot of interesting ways. So like, you know, you aren't locked into playing like twelve of the same wishboard tutors. That, that you've had for a couple of years, you get to mix it up a little bit. See what see what you can do. You get more uh, with sky skylashers or whatever for mm. the spirits. Oh yeah, so Tessin petitioner for the aggressive decks. Yeah. Um. Ooh. Um. I remember playing that in the early iterations of that. It was like, yeah. Oh man, I get my my life gain green card. Geological appraiser. Be okay. Being able to win the game on the spot on turn three with geological appraiser. 
puts too much pressure on folks t- to be a good thing for the long-term health of the format. The end. You know what's so funny about this to me is it reminds me so much of the way that people used to talk about Splinter Twin. Mm-hmm. Just like the turn, the turn four, turn four format is now pioneering. I mean, we've said this before, but just to see that in another announcement where it's like we don't want people to win on turn three in modern. Oh, whoops. Okay, I guess we don't want people to win on turn three in Pioneer anymore. So let's just move that line back in the sand a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, it, I think importantly, this this doesn't meet our long term vision for the format. Again, talking about options where players can enjoy a variety of macro strategies before losing the game so early. If every deck must run one or two mana interaction spells, the format shrinks. For these reasons, Geological Appraiser is banned. You could say, I guess, similar things about Winota, having to run interaction. I was just, yeah, you brought it up. I was going to say, this is basically the exact same reason they gave for Winota being banned. It's just it puts too much pressure on the format. Now, Winota didn't necessarily kill you on the spot sometimes. Sometimes it did. Um, but yeah, it's basically just the exact same philosophy behind the Winota ban. But what about Grease Fang? guys well we'll talk i think we'll talk about that in the winners section perhaps yeah uh we'll, we'll keep an eye on quintorius decks and pioneer it can win as easily as early as turn four blah 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 blah. but people can set up their own game plan and prepare for the pivotal turn more successfully etc etc so quintorius as we know did not do well and unless things shift a little bit more it probably won't continue it probably will continue to not be so great so they did mention it but you know geological appraiser was clearly the one that was doing better they, did, they didn't like it they didn't like the pressure it put on the format and there it goes Bef- you know we barely knew ye geological appraiser and that's fine right we're, I mean, we, totally. I mean, it's like a Tibalt's trickery type thing, right? It's just like, hey, this is a mistake. And this this is what this is designed to do. This this entire ban window is, hey, this happened. It wasn't what we intended. Get it out of here. Sorry, Devin. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to I was going to bring up, you know, I feel bad for people who who are, you know, depending planning on playing us in Atlanta. Yeah, it sucks. But it is what it is. You probably had better decks to play. You didn't really <laughs> want to play that deck, did you? <laughs> I definitely did. I mean, you agree that it wasn't that it, you don't have any problems with the ban happening, though, right? No, not at all. I, yeah, I think okay. the format, honestly, like uh, if they hadn't banned it before Atlanta, I think it, I like, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like 30 to 35% of the format. Cause I oh like, it, like, even the thing is, the thing about the deck was like, yes, it is disruptible, but like, it's, just the fact that it it has it's so explosive, you know. It's I think the deck would, was kind of cracked, and I'm pretty happy they banned it. All right. Okay. So let's talk about the fun part now. <laughs> yes, let's please. Let's do this. Smuggler's Copter is unbanned. We banned Smuggler's Copter back in December 2019. Since then, many new sets have entered the format. Many and sets such, are saying. The, exactly. Many sets are entering the format. <laughs> and as such, the format has naturally grown in power over time. While unbanning is not something we do very often, we believe the format can absorb it successfully, as can Dave's wallet. We're reintroducing <laughs> it will create new deck building puzzles or revive old ones and provide additional diversity not sure they're puzzles uh smuggler's copter is unbanned i was thrilled about this because i love smuggler's copter as a card just generally i loved playing it in i played a lot of kaladesh limited at the time i played a lot of it in that limited format it was one of the times i thought thought about picking up standard so i ended up playing it in pioneer a good amount when it was legal um not in black but in different decks uh but i love smuggler's copper it's one of my favorite cards agreed i feel like we've been beating this drum for a long time on the podcast that we've wanted to see smuggler's copter unbanned i think that's a card that a lot of people have wanted to see unbanned i do want to point out an interesting uh, i don't know if this is a contrast but the opening line of this section is we want pioneer to provide as diverse an experience as possible and in this 
paragraph on Copter, they talk about how they think reintroducing it will create new deck building puzzles and provide additional diversity. When it was initially banned, I think part of the problem was that it was too homogenizing. Yes. And this is actually the thing that I'm worried. Like, I love this card. I'm not sure it was a great thing to unban. Personally, we'll have to see what happens. Um... I'm thrilled that they did it because I like to play aggressive decks that can use a 3-3 flyer that costs two mana. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder on some level if they recognize that like Pioneer needs some more aggressive decks and it's become very combo centric and either aggro decks that can get under combo decks or just combo decks like blue white control wasn't very strong until the discovery combo emerged in my opinion. So I think we're going to maybe see like this era this week or two where every deck is running Smuggler's Copter because it is kind of good everywhere and we just have to wait for the cream to rise. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to find the original article from when it was banned, which I can't remember. This looks like it was December 2019, uh, which I couldn't find, but I did find an excerpt in a Star City column. It says, Wizards believes that this set of changes will ultimately result in greater diversity among aggressive decks, a clearer role in the metagame for reactive and controlling decks, and a push towards better color balance among competitive decks. So I think like what, what Stan was saying, a big part of the reason why it was banned, you know, four years ago at this time was because they they're like every it almost felt like every single deck was playing it and i'm gonna be honest with you guys i don't i don't know if this is a great idea to unban this card it almost feels like if your deck has any creature whatsoever in it that can crew it, which is literally any creature there's almost no reason not to play this card yeah yeah let's just let's just talk about this now because i have a whole section i did a little digging back in late 2019 because you went all my, the way back to late 2019 yeah it's it, it, time yeah, travel boom. personally I did. Um, I Shane, got my DeLorean. I the got, copters. I <laughs> Shane, your copters. <laughs> it's about the copters, Marty. So let's talk about stuff that can run copter. And in 2019, my memory was, this is, wrong. it was really big and mild black. was wrong. Yes, it was wrong. I'm, uh, I'll be wrong about this. So my memory was like, okay, this is primarily in mono black. That's really it. Because mono black synergized really well with discarding cards because it had things like Scrap Heap Scrounger, uh, Bloodsoak Champion that could come back out of the graveyards. I think for, at some point they were running the the little skelly, skelly man that could also come back from the graveyard, but it was in a lot more. There was a Simic deck. Of course, it was running Oko, um, but, you know, Mana Elves, Lovestruck Beast, Steel Leaf Champion, Questing Beast. There was Gruul aggro decks effectively doing the same thing, but with red creatures and mana dorks. Did you just say Oko? So wait, hold on. Oko was... Oh, Smuggler's Copter was banned before Oko? I think they might have been banned simultaneously, or was Oko to March or January? Oko was banned. I just found this a minute ago. Let me see. Oh, no. I can't I even remember March. that. I'm too old. Give me one sec. So the November 18th banner restricted announcement from 2019 was, uh, oh, sorry. It was not, no pioneer. <laughs> this is it must content. have been after. Oof. Yeah, I think it was after. It was. I, th I think Oko didn't get banned until like February, Mar like January, February, something like that. Yeah, it was around for longer than it should have been. Um, so, you know, and it was also even in things like mono red. Like mono red aggro with you know spells prowess creatures also running some number of smugglers copters frequently. I played it on blue white flash deck that was pretty good. Yeah, for oh, a yeah, while that too. Was... That reflector mage was in before. Yeah, that was an mage. early one. I remember that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't everything like spirits. Golgari had an aggro deck. Phoenix, of course, wasn't running it, but it was really prevalent even in stuff that wasn't like recurring stuff out of the graveyard. It's just you know in the air 
gets you card selection, all that good stuff. I guess the question, of course, I mean, do you think we even need to read this card? I don't. I think some people might not even know what Smuggler's Copter is. I think you should read it. Two two mana artifact. Yes. It's a three three flying vehicle. Oh yeah. When you cruise one. Nice. That's 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 the thing. When whenever it attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do discard a card. So Looter Scooter was the nickname. Do you remember how we were kind of excited about Subterranean Schooner when we did the, yes. the Lost Caverns of Ixalan spoilers? Just forget about it. Two mana, three, three, flying looter. That's good. I would play that. Crew one. Colorless. Crew one. Colorless. Seems and why okay. is it? Why is it especially good in Pioneer is because there is no lightning bolt in Pioneer. Oh, yes. That's even, you're right. It passes the Bone Crusher Giant and Shock Test. Mm-hmm. I found a tournament, a Pioneer PTQ from Magic Online, November 30th. There were, in the top 32, nine copies of Mono Black Aggro and a total of 71 copies of Copter in the top 32, which is 56% of the decks. <laughs> so it was, okay. uh, it, was, it was a lot. That's a Seems lot. Okay. I was also just taking a look to see what kind of removal we have now that didn't exist when when Copter was first banned. And among the top decks, there's no new removal with the exception, I think, of like Gleeful Demolition and <laughs> Get Lost. <laughs> yeah, Gleeful. Leyline Binding. Yeah. So yeah, it's it was a thing. It was a popular thing. But does this matter now, right? And like Devin, you were saying, like, is every creature deck going to run this? And based on what we saw before, four years ago, of course, like, you know, lots of aggro strategies were running it, even if they weren't leveraging the graveyard. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was like Gruul decks. I'm looking, I'm looking at all these different decks. Rakdos aggro, Gruul aggro, Esper human, Celestia aggro, Simic aggro. Um, yeah, I mean, just like the card itself, because it is so, it's like, it's not that hard to meet the conditions to be able to to put it in your deck. You just have to have any random body. I mean, like I've even thought about should blue white control be playing this because they have wandering emperor to make tokens. <laughs> like, I, and I'm serious when I say that it's like the card is that powerful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just like, there's a lot of decks that can play this card. Well, like what, let's talk about the aggro, the premier aggro strategies in pioneer right now, right? Like we've got Boros convoke Boros legends, which is kind of new, not established yet. Gruul aggro. We've got humans, mono white humans, it, uh, the spirits decks and mono red is still lingering around. Do any of these I mean, decks? How dare you forget? Wait, wait, wait! How dare you uh, just forget about Boros Heroic, which is still a pretty good deck? Okay, Heroic, it's probably all, better than the, the Legends one. All the Boros decks. That's probably what's true. Running of these, what's running? Copter beyond like an initial curiosity like does it need to synergize is there time to cast it do you want to cast it i don't know i don't have an answer for this i mean i think it's actually fantastic in convoke not only because it's another target for gleeful demolition that you can use it defensively demolition in this case rather than just like blowing up an ornithopter but you're producing like so many one ones that this then helps you like get to your venerated loxodons or whatever else is important for you to kind of like go wide and go big or it just lets you go over clogged up boards too yeah a hundred percent if you remember a couple like uh when we talked about warden of the inner sky as being a really good card in this deck copter does essentially the same thing that warden of the inner sky does except it can't get big and it actually draws you cards instead of just scrying so it's like this deck all of a sudden is playing eight wardens of the inner sky or i don't know what the final count will be what they actually have space for but it seems like it fits perfectly in this deck for 
for sure. One thing I did kind of want to bring up, Shane mentioned Spirits as uh, kind of one of the premier aggro decks. Uh, Spirits is probably the absolute single biggest loser out of this uh, total ban announcement because not Mm. only are you banning one of its best matchups, actually two of its best matchups because it was very good against green and very good against the the Discover combo decks. Also, I don't know if you've ever tried to play a deck full of 1-1 and 2-2 flyers against your turn two smugglers smugglers copter opponent, but Mm. it's uh, it's not fun. Seems bad, bro. Yeah. So Spirit's big loser. But then another list that I thought of immediately was Gruel Aggro. Honestly, like the Gruel vehicles yep. list, quote unquote. I mean, it's just because it has an eight pack of elves, right? Like, why? Well, I don't know why if you have eight elves, why would you not have Smuggler's Copter as part of your whole story? It, it's just going to help turn those into real cards in the late game so much better. Yeah, and, and it's called Gruel Vehicles, so this fits perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. That funny, funny you mentioned Gruel because that was the first deck that I played on stream today. Once that after three, once the copter ban got or copter unban went live, and uh, you know I went three and two in the first league that I played, but every single time that I drew copter, it felt unbelievably good and also the yeah. the real the really awesome thing about gruel specifically is the way that the deck is constructed it's a bunch of ones and a bunch of threes and when they fatal push your one drop you don't have a good two drop to play and this is the best possible two drop that you could hope to ever have yep yep you guys are making me really hyped that i still have my play set by the way i mean i i, I even have one, of course another we were just talking about creature list right now but remember how good mono white mono white aggro was for a while no. I, I feel like this card is also no joke <laughs> in that deck yep stands Busted. like i always hated that deck well, doesn't matter what, what was mono white aggro but humans it's just humans just humans oh then yeah. yes. Yes, I do remember that. But this is like, crew it with your Dauntless Bodyguard. (laughs) Crew it with your giant killer that you don't want to play ever. Like, crew it with your Hopeful Initiate that gets paused on something. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Another deck that we we really haven't mentioned yet is Rakdos Sacrifice, but yeah. uh, and hear me out for a second. Not only does Cauldron Familiar crew Smuggler's Copter, you can also oh God, discard no. Cauldron Familiar to the Smuggler's Copter. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> it's insane in that deck too. You could also discard Croxa to it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I cannot. There's just so many. I, I just, I just want to keep playing. You know, I just want to keep playing with this card. I played with it for like seven hours today. It was so good. Let me ask you about the weirdest, or the not weirdest choice, but I, I think a lot of people think that it might also get played in Rakdos mid range. Is there? Like, but Derek, of course, uh, misplaced ginger had an all caps tweet that somebody shared with me that said, "Reckoner Bankbuster is better than Smuggler's Copter." Uh, oh, I saw. Thoughts? Concerns? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, that uh, deck. I don't know. I don't know if my if I should necessarily air my thoughts or if I should like keep it SFW. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I my question to Derek would be: Has he ever cast the card Smuggler's Copter before? Because I think that statement is kind of insane to me. We we know that he has. He definitely yeah, has. That's fair. I know. He's been playing Magic for a long time. <laughs> that is he definitely true. has. I, th- I think I would sooner play Bankbuster and Blue White than Copter, to be honest. Yeah, for the game plans. Though those specific decks, there I think there are some examples, and I was mostly just being facetious, but there are definitely some examples of decks that would rather play Bankbuster. Maybe Rakdos made as one. Maybe you want to play a split. Maybe you want to be like a couple of Bankbusters and a couple of Smugglers Copters because you want that type of evasion. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's necessarily like cut and dry play. This X is better than Y. I think there are certain circumstances in which case Y is better than X. Yeah, but I think the bottom line with Copter, as we like think about moving on from this, is it's going to see a lot of play. Right? It's going to a lot of play and it this is the thing that's the biggest force on the 
metagame. Banning Karn is a big deal, but unbanning Smuggler's Copter is going to take a while to figure out for us to see exactly what happens to the metagame as a result of it. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know 100 I don't know 100% what deck I'm playing in Atlanta, but I know it's going to have four Smuggler's Copter. I can guarantee you that. Ooh. Oh, look at you. Call calling yeah, it right now. I am interested to see what happens. Besides every creature deck, apparently, uh, let's talk about some other winners for Pioneer. I want to start with, I looked up Mono Green Devotion's most lopsided matchups on mtgmeta.io, and they include the following. Enigmatic Incarnation, 61. Rakdos Mid, 65. Grease Fang, 64. Creativity, 73. Gruel Aggro, 69. Nice. Omnath to Light, 67. So... Those are some strong win rates against some popular and not so popular decks. But out of all these, I'm going to look at you first, Devin, because you have the most experience with like the Pioneer metagame, relative strengths and weaknesses. Do you see any of these that you're like, well, I, I definitely think I'm going to start seeing more of this because green's out of here. Or, or is less popular, at least. So other than Rakdos Mid itself, my inclination would be to look at these decks and see which one has a good Rakdos matchup, because I think probably the single most, like the single biggest change that's going to happen is more Rakdos, because we see a downtick in green and a downtick in the geological decks, which I think were both somewhat favored against Rakdos. So if you look at this list, I think the one that stands out to me the most is probably Enigmatic. That deck completely destroys Rakdos, like that I'm sure that Rakdos players will tell you it's like almost unwinnable from their side. So I would definitely look towards Enigmatic Incarnation, uh, similar in similar vein creativity. I think that deck is pretty good against Rakdos. So I would look at those two decks where, you know, if they're if they were getting beat up by green before, now you're kind of that, that space in the metagame is being occupied by Rakdos now, and those decks are really good against Rakdos. Makes good sense. Anything that uh anything else besides like the MGD matchups that you think has like a pretty strong up arrow next to it even though most of the format is kind of staying the same you know kind of ignoring the recent blip with uh, the discovery decks i suppose because that was like what like two weeks three weeks hmm one thing that i'm not really sure is like where blue white's gonna go because blue white lost its bets matchup in the geological deck so i'm kind of curious to see what what happens to blue white two words in soul artifact <laughs> I mean, it's got a copter. It's got other artifacts. It's got a one mana flyer that makes an artifact now. You can insole the copter and it loots. It swings for five. It flies. It yeah. loots. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love play, it. I, I cast insole artifact today. Dude, I, I saw I saw your list. <laughs> I saw it. Piqued my interest. Can I can I open one can of worms before we leave Pioneer and go on to modern? Please. I, I am somewhat surprised or very surprised that fable the mirror breaker is still a card in this format after this ban announcement given what they said about about karn i kind of feel like a good amount of the rationale for why karn got banned could also have easily been applied to fable and the same logic could almost be applied to rakdos so i'm surprised by that a little bit it was on the bingo sheet i made for the discord i had fable the mirror breaker banned in pioneer it did not happen hmm. I, I was i i thought that i kind of thought they would hit both honestly they've been so prevalent so popular you know 50 plus percent decks for so long it's like why would you hit monogreed devotion which one of its strongest matchups was rakdos and not hit rakdos and it's a bit surprising 
I will say one last final note, uh, you know, c- th- with that specifically, like if you're comparing the two decks, at least the like the Rakdos play patterns, they're not necessarily as, they're, they're not as like egregious as like, you know, playing against Carnivore. You know what I mean? It's like, there's actually interaction to be had in those matchups where it's against green. It's just like two ships passing in the night kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That that totally makes sense. The play patterns better. All right, Pioneer. We are we are done, I think. We, we are to where perhaps more people want to talk, want to hear our takes, which is modern. So bear with us. We'll do a quick ad read. We'll come back and we'll talk about Fury and maybe some maybe some other card I don't care as much about. So stay with us. David. Shane. Dave, I feel like we haven't done an ad together in a minute. We haven't. And the holiday season is here, Shane. Oh, yes. It's a perfect time to spend money, specifically at Barrister and Man. Yep. For people that you love, and uh, they got all kinds of new stuff there to check out. Speaking of new stuff, we are both holding two of the four new winter shaving soaps, fragrances, body soaps, all that good stuff. Comes with a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. We have Midnight Special and Braeburn. And Dave, you, you said you're into Braeburn. Yes. So I'm going to do I'm gonna do an open and we can give some takes. Okay. So you're going to smell Braeburn. I'm going to smell Braeburn. Okay. Okay. I smell apples. I smell spices. Yep. I smell some wood. It smells like fresh squeezed apple juice. And here it is. We've been feeling the need for a good apple scent for a while. Something clean and crisp and fresh without the smoke and heavy spices that you would find in apple fragrances these days. A little green, perhaps. Not sweet or pie-like or cidery. There it is. Sage, orange, and apple balanced out against the lightest touch of spice and wood. But apple is the star. And I love it. I think this is the most like on-the-nose description that Will has provided at Barrister Man. Like I think that's a perfect description. It's awesome. Check Braeburn out. It's my favorite of the new scents that we got. Now, I'm going to check out Midnight Special. Yeah, I like Midnight Special a lot. We just got finished recording a Midnight Special with Stan. <laughs> yes, a 2 a.m. special. So this is this is a lot lighter. It is, but it's got this kind of more like traditional kind of... Reminds me a little more of like a talky kind of wood scent. Yeah, it. so Will says it's a stylish blend of sandalwood, cypriol, nutmeg, a poponax, my favorite, black peppercorn, I do get that, and rast wood, rast which I also wood. get. I love that. What I like about it is like it's other sandalwoods, I, I will admit, I think sandalwood's a strong scent. I think this is way dialed back. I think it has like that sort of light, like almost aquatic touch. And I like the little spiciness from the black peppercorn. I'm, I like using this shaving soap a lot. It's right, it's going in my rotation. I'm going to get a jar for sure. Nice. Before it's out for the, for the season. So now I do want to say there is one holiday tradition that at Barrister Man that we haven't talked about before. And that is that they have are re-releasing Dickens soon, which is a, a, a fragrance that they've had at different points in time. But this is inspired by one of Will's favorite holiday cookies. And if you want a recipe for, because people, oh, yeah, I know people in our audience love recipes. I talk about chili one time three years ago, and people still pop it in the Discord to ask me for the recipe sometimes. <laughs> this is true. This happens. So go and check out the recipe in the blog section on Man dot com for dickens cherry cardamom cookies cardamom cookies with maraschino cherries and got some cream cheese in there some buttermilk some cardamom sounds pretty amazing to me we'll eat so yes go over to barrister and man get yourself or your loved ones some gifts and you can use code the dive down 23 
with 23 spelled out like the words gets you 15% off of your first order over at Barrister and Matt. All right, we're back here to talk about modern, talk about Fury. First off, the, the, the card that I actually did cash out on, I got, you know, I, 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 but I didn't do it right away. I, I didn't cash out on my playset. I cashed out on like the extras that I bought when they were like four bucks back in the day. I did sell those over time. So I think I might have like five or six Furies. So I, I did not, I did <laughs> not, ca- I mean, I probably have some left over. I couldn't get rid of, but all right. Enough about my finances. What what did Watsy say? So when these when we spoke about Modern last August, we were concerned about the new cards from the Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle Earth, <laughs> TM, <laughs> namely Orcish Bowmasters <laughs> and the One. Have Ring. you seen our holiday set? <laughs> uh, have you guys heard about Assassin's Creed? It's coming soon. While while these cards are powerful players in the metagame, another card is continuing to suppress what's possible in the format even more. Fury. Most often played as a 4-4 double striker that clears the board, clears the opponent's board, makes playing with creature decks nearly impossible. Ractus Evoke has only risen in metagame share since the Pro Tour this summer, and coming in right behind it is 4-color Omnath, also featuring Fury. FT. Fury. Uh, played in a smattering of other decks as well. Fury is keep. Here we go again. Diversity. Fury is keeping several diverse and interesting strategies at bay, and for this reason, Fury is banned in Modern. Um, they also talk about scam without fury. The opportunity cost of playing so many undi- undying effects increases, reducing consistency in the deck and becoming a real cost to include. Um, they kind of specifically say, hey, these might become like Orzov decks that use solitude or ephemerate, but a, a, a rebrought solitude is not as threatening as a 4 4 double striker. Yeah. And but the, LOL, that card sucks. Yeah. Not and, really, but. <laughs> it's not quite as good as a 4 4 double striker on an empty board. Um, we believe the removal of fury will, again, options widen the format allowing players to explore additional strategies especially with low toughness creatures and the re- reduction of recto scam decks will also reduce the total number of grief and orcish bow masters players will encounter thoughts on this thoughts on this rationale before the effect of losing fury the rationale itself anything does this make sense so uh it actually does to me i thought this was very sound rationale i like the idea that I think they're testing, which is like, people are really complaining about grief. We need to take a deck, a card out of two decks simultaneously, basically. Not being able to have as many good scam openers, like, actually seems like a good way to lower the the grief rate as well. And I, I almost wonder if this is actually kind of soft banning, not dead after all. Uh, I don't know. See, let me let me play devil's advocate here. The, the kind of the problem I have with this is this might this might be a bit of a hot take because I know a lot of people have were a little you know at least decent amount of people were happy on Twitter. Obviously, Twitter is going to be Twitter and and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. It kind of feels to me that if people start picking up the black white scam, I understand that you know you never want to turn one solitude. Who cares if your opponent makes a turn one four three life like it doesn't it doesn't have any ETPs. I get that. But without Fury and like they're just playing Grief and Solitude, it kind of makes the like when they do have the turn one Grief, it kind of makes it more demoralizing because the, you know that they only have four copies of the Evoke Creature now. And it's like, I don't know 
know if that leads to more feel bads. I personally, I think that grief was kind of the problem the entire time. And I, I would have rather have them hit grief and, and maybe let fury stay. But I don't know. Is that, am I, am I, am I crazy for thinking that? So I, I agree to some extent that like grief felt more like a problem. I will go out on a limb and say black, white scam is not happening. Like I, we tried it and it wasn't good. Yeah. And I mean, I was talking about this in the Discord today. Like, I specifically was doing a lot with like the Orzov reanimator strategies that involved some grief, some solitude as sort of side game plans, ways to interact with the opponent, some ephemerate stuff, some Stoneforge was in there as well. And while it was quite fun, I enjoyed the deck. And I this is one of the last decks I remember even doing a good amount of tuning with and, and playing with. I never, I don't think it really, really ever got anywhere. And I don't know if the increased iteration in Scam as like a core strategy and the undying effects rather than just focusing on stuff like Ephemerate, if that adds more to the strategy, I think people will definitely try. I'm curious to see where it goes, but I think the rationale of sound, which is just like, hey, having the backup scam threat of not being Fury and not providing that incredible clock is really taking this deck down a peg. I have concerns as well of Devin and Stan kind of like matching where you guys are at, but like maybe this wasn't enough. Uh, I don't know, though. We'll see. I mean, I think I do think this deck has such a fine, like the Evoke deck has such a sort of fine line between being awful and great that <laughs> this package really might not be able to survive with only one scam threat in it, basically. Yeah. And so, you know, the only other thing that, that we've seen a little bit of is there were some people in our Discord who were trying to brew, like, blue-black scam for a while, where it was like, oh, we're going to play subtlety instead, you know, and, like, maybe that's a thing that we can do. And that also seems bad, in the same way Solitude seems bad, but at least it flies. So maybe that's kind of cool, but... Someone that I'm in a WhatsApp chat group here in northern england made an interesting comment in the last week have we as like the public opinion turned on fury basically that not only have we tried black white ephemerate decks and they didn't really pan out but scam didn't really become and really grief didn't really become a scary thing until grief was backed by fury um and i think if we look at what else makes the rakdos fury decks good it's like the occasional turn one Ragavan. It's the occasional uh, Turbo Blood Moon. It's access to Fable of the Mirror Breaker or uh, Spyro. And I think when you lose Fury, I think you're just less incentivized to play Grief with those other cards. And I know in the past we've kind of posited like, what happens if if people can't Grief Scam? Like they'll just play Rakdos midrange in a much more fair way, and maybe the feel bads are reduced that for that reason as well. It might even become Jund. You know what I mean? Again, oh, like, I do Dave, think that. Dave, let's not <laughs> say things you can't unsay. <laughs> I'm just saying though, like what what you're talking about though, like a, a Ragavan move into a fast Blood Moon, Orcish Bowmasters, Fable of the Mirror Breaker deck. I think is still going to be a thing. I don't know how good it's going to be right now, but uh, like I said, I think I said even on the, the episode where we talked about whether these cards are going to be banned like six weeks ago or so when we first kind of broached the subject during the last ban window, it was like. I think that Rakdos Mid was a deck before this. It was a deck during this. It'll be some kind of deck after this. And it's always kind of like one deck away from being a, or one card away from being a really, really good deck. And we've, we've left the era of it being a really, 
good deck for a minute, I think, right now. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think people are... I, I think ultimately it'll, it'll out that like scam plus not dead after all, plus a little bit of fun with not dead after all occasionally on other creatures is not going to be enough to make it worth it. Yeah, I mean, I keep going back to the reason that scam was so prevalent and while not being completely broken was the consistency across matchups, right? Not the consistency of the core deck strategy itself, although it was pretty consistent, but the fact that it had so many different ways to beat so many different things and removing fury gets rid of one of the primary ways. And therefore it'll lessen some of its consistency across you know, so many different decks. Like you look at the MTG meta thing and it's like, you know, 80% green because it's like 52, 53, you know, it has better of course, but it's just one of those decks that nothing, it's not bad against a lot. And this makes it worse against quite a number of decks. And that's probably enough to just make it another type of deck in modern if it survives in some way, shape or form because it doesn't have access to fury. And that's what they want. One other thing that I, I just kind of thought about here now it, obviously, there you know without fury, you still have the, you still have the turn one grief draws, but then also not that after all is still just pretty good with bowmaster and dothy voidwalker because like you can just go you know undie my things, my voidwalker sack my voidwalker get it back. So I almost wonder if maybe like Rakdos players will still try to just play like the sim a similar not dead after all shell even if you don't have furious. What do you guys think about that? I think they'll try. I don't think it's going to be good yeah. personally. Like, I, I just feel like those things were extra value. Like, the, the scenarios that you brought up are totally all true, Devin, like, plus Bowmasters, plus Voidwalker. But I think those are things that you did to sort of cope with the fact that you have a bad draft card in your deck. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. And, and you know, in, it's the high end that made it okay for you to have to absorb the low end as well. I think when you, get, you take on more of that low end risk, I, I don't think the deck is going to be good enough. But I, you know, I, I've been wrong plenty of times before, and I guarantee people will be trying for the next couple of weeks to see what happens with Teractos without it. I mean, there were people who posted in our in our Discord today even a list that was kind of like that. I think we're also kind of focusing entirely on scam when they specifically mention stuff like you know it's in the Omnath decks as just really good removal, and it's just the type of thing where it. I, I think. Even mentioning the fact that it's in other random decks is kind of throwaway. Like they're just like, yeah, it's in some other stuff, a smattering of other decks. But I think it's it's perhaps Fury's time, or if they really do want to increase the ability of people to play with smaller creatures, widen the format, people to explore additional strategies. That's the kind of card that has to go. And I think like grief is not the one that's keeping additional strategies down it's just sort of a powerful tool to strip cards out of anyone's deck but fury specifically does target the the creature based strategies with low toughness and so makes sense i think if the goal again is to give people options then i think this is a good card to go for and i and like i mentioned earlier i think the the theme of all of this is really we want people to have options We'll see if it's a, if it's successful or not, but I think it sticks with uh, it, it. It provides consistency consistency to their announcement here. One final note on grief here. I just you know, I I feel like grief almost never shows up in a fair context. Like if you look at it, and the the other deck that I want to kind of talk about was living in because you know we were talking about yes. potentially grief uh, being the correct ban over fury. It's like grief is not really doing anything fair in the living end deck either. So I I don't know. Maybe is is living end a winner from this announcement? I feel like it probably is because oh, yeah. Scam was one definitely. of its worst matchups. So Yeah, I think it's a huge winner, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Oh, you, you perhaps you mean fortunately, Dave? I don't know if you misspoke there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, you, we mean unfortunately because we want to play rhinos, but you guys do. <laughs> I I honestly well, I had mean, a little bit. I I'm going to tell you guys something right now. Like this morning, I was really thinking to myself. I I wonder if this is going to be the day that they ban violent outburst. I know. Oh God, that's why my heart was pounding. Was it? Because I was joking, seriously. Like, it's going to be the day. I, you guys know that I I think Cascade is one of the worst mechanics. Of the last oh, it's awful. 15 years. Geological <laughs> appraiser, though. hello. <laughs> exactly. It's so bad that we re- came back to it for some reason. I don't know why, but I it's one of my least favorite mechanics of modern, let's call it like the modern format, modern magic. Uh, and I thought maybe they were going to hit all those decks because it's like, well, okay, if we're going to take something away from Scam, like what what are we doing? Like why, why aren't we hitting this other thing that's kind of broken? But uh, it's not broken. I know that Rhinos is not a broken deck and even Living End is not a broken deck. It's just, it's sort of not the way the mechanic was supposed to work. Right. And so I also hate turning over all the cards until I get to the card I want to cast. That's like my least favorite thing to do. But then when you get to cast it, <laughs> it feels so good. Mm-hmm. So I'm there with you, Dave. Yeah. I, I pros and cons, strikes and goes. I am a little bummed out by the the fact that some decks who could use the help against creature decks to stay interesting to lose fury. Like, you know, it was in Merktide as like a one of occasionally or a two of occasionally on the in the sideboard. It, like it was a reasonable card to be like, yeah, this is, it felt like when we're playing it as a sideboard card, it was pretty cool, you know, but when we found a way to break all the mechanics that were special to the card, then it was like, oh, this card is, woo, this, woo, we really, you can do eight damage with this or you can draw two cards when you cast it. Like that's when it became really absurd. And uh, it had to be taken away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played. I played an RCQ this weekend. I played no copies of Fury in my in my Rhino's main deck. I only had two in the sideboard, and that's it. So yeah, yeah. That's and that's something we'll talk about. I think when we talk about like winners losers is what happens to Rhinos a little bit. Um, let's talk about cascading some more in Up the Beanstalk. They say one of Modern's newest occlusions, subsidizing many cards in the format that cost five or more mana. However, it's rare for a player to pay anywhere close to five mana, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ain't that just a magic? <laughs> <laughs> While removing Fury from the format will certainly impact the usage of Up the Beanstalk, we don't think that's going to be enough. It's really difficult to interact with. The card replaces itself immediately. Players often are just playing a free spell on the same turn because they get a good return on the deal. And they say, I like this line. It is particularly telling when players have concluded that cascading into Up the Beanstalk is more advantageous than the zero mana options like Crashing Footfalls and Living End. For these reasons, Up the Beanstalk is banned in modern. Yeah. Hmm. This card is just a straight up design mistake, as we've all kind of acknowledged for the last couple of months. It just it just seems dumb. Like, I mean, we already have the one ring. Do we really need up the beanstalk for more card advantage in decks like these? Yeah, if they wanted this to be a theme of going up the beanstalk, they could have easily had this card not cantrip when it came into play. Then it's totally unplayable. Or they could have put that it only triggers once a turn or something like that. And that might have helped it uh, be a card that was reasonable, but not absurd. And uh, yeah. This one just was kind of oh, too much, too, too much. Are you guys kind of surprised that they banned, that they chose to ban this card instead of the One Ring? Because I feel like a lot of people were who were talking about this moving, you know, go, up to the going up to the announcement had kind of pinpointed the One Ring as the card they they that was maybe problematic. So, I mean, myself included, I kind of thought they were going to consider banning the ring. Now, you could talk about product announcements and all that stuff, and maybe there's some issues there, but... Have you heard about our holiday printing of Lord of the Rings? Personally, (laughs) I I feel like the ring is more of an issue. What do you guys think about that? I Here's my thing. Keeping with the theme of diversity and options, I think the one ring provides more optionality to the format, and I think it has more overt downsides. 
and like you know people do kill themselves with the one ring people do die to the damage like you know i've I played against amulet titan players who even after they drew a ton of cards are like losing six and they're dying to it and it's just the kind of stuff that happens like i think it's it's powerful i am not denying that but i think like it's powerful in a way that gives us more options and maybe it eventually becomes like too ubiquitous and we just saw like what the top we saw a top eight with five decks just last week that we talked about like you know it's five of the eight decks in the top eight of the modern uh energy had the one ring that's that's not something to sneeze at <laughs> bless you um now david you make this funny joke about the upcoming holiday set uh i want to bring up the fact that during the the stream last week where they essentially told us what they're banning they explicitly said that they do not look at which products are on the market on the shelves when they make their ban decisions they said this and yet okay. i feel like this is further evidence that that is just not true i i think that we're all about to be reminded that the one ring is a problem and that this little diversion down the up the beanstalk or this little diversion up the beanstalk uh kind of took the gaze away from that for a little bit because people hate playing against the Omnath decks. They complain about it less in Tron and in Coffers and stuff like that, other decks that run the ring effectively. I think once Tron pick or once uh, Omnath picks up the ring again, which I think inevitably it's about to do, we're we're all going to be reminded of how much we hate that card. And so it's a matter of time. I can't speak to I'm just kind of being cynical when I say that. I just I also think it's probably true. Like, there's that's the only card that's worth anything in that set other than Bowmasters. Like, why else would people buy it other than vibes, I guess? Like, the art is cool. If you like Lord of the Rings, the art's cool. That's fine. But it's super expensive. I saw one of those packs at at Target over the weekend, and it's like $50 at Target for a, for a holiday. Oh, the holiday release? Booster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jeez. crazy. I was like, I picked it up for a minute. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> But it could have had a ring in it, you know, right now. Yeah, exactly. You can could buy be like, anything. You can buy like two smugglers copters with that 50 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> but I got eight. What do I need two for? Uh, I mean, overall, I'm I'm more than happy this card's gone. Like like you said, Dave, it just like, it was not designed for modern, especially with the modern that we live in now with all the you know, expensive cards that are actually cheap type thing. So yeah so you know we're talking about like the relationship between beanstalk and fury i think it's worth noting the relationship between fury and omnath as well like i think the omnath decks also lose a very important and powerful card and though and though the pairing of ren and six omnath and teferi in my opinion to like kind of two three four will still probably exist in some cases because solitude still exists and that's really really good i actually think that like banning fury does truly take that deck down a peg almost as much as banning beanstalk does we'll see oh i think there were i think i'm pretty sure there were some four color lists from the pt or maybe like right before the pt because that's when lord of the rings came out that were maybe even like a couple weeks after the pt that were playing you know four copies of ring this was before beanstalk and i'm I'm pretty sure there were lists that didn't have fury before Mm -hmm. they were kind of just all in on like solitude maybe a main deck endurance and then like the the four ren and six four to fairy four omnet that kind of stuff four binding of course so maybe they'll go back to like that kind of package with you know ring and just overloading and a bunch of stuff like that but yeah there there definitely is like in a certain metagame fury is, like you would want a main deck fury in certain metagames like in a yogmoth metagame which maybe we'll talk about in a second but yeah i, I think that the four color decks will still be very very good shall we talk winners losers anybody have anything else to say about up the beanstalk 
No. Good riddance. Yeah. So let's let's talk losers first, just for kicks. Um, scam. I, I want to talk about scam. So here's like here's the deal with scam, right? Scam taking. I mean, obviously, we talked a lot about scam taking a hit. I don't. We don't really know what happens to this deck. Um, like you know, there's options, right? Like you said, Dave is like. I think you're always looking for some opportunity to play like Rakdos mid range for some reason. Dave used the J word. <laughs> Which one? Jund. Jund. Oh, Jund. I was like, wow. What did I say? Um, jerk. Jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just love Ragavan, so that's where I'm at. And I don't want to play Murktide. So. Tarmogoyfs? I like Tarmogoyf. I like Tarmogoyf okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Scam. Obviously, it's taking a hit. We talked about why. The Omnath Beans decks losing Beanstalk and Fury. That's, I mean, like Stan said, that's huge. Like, what's weird, this is one of those decks that statistically was not particularly overpowered. Um, Watsi took action anyway. It's probably you know one of those things where we have to keep worrying about every kind of card that we print. It's it, it's a it's a threat maybe if scam is going out of the picture. I, I think they really did it because they can't keep the kids from playing bigger than <laughs> sixty card mains. Come on, There's, you don't have Yorian anymore. You can't play more than sixty cards. You're not allowed. Yeah, people are just playing like sixty five and sixty seven cards. Like yeah. that's that's the the real problems. They're pre boarding its mill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that what they tell themselves? I mean, I don't know what is going to replace Fury. We know what's going to replace Beanstalk in those decks. It's going to be the One Ring. I don't know what's going to replace Fury in those decks. It'll be something annoying, but we'll <laughs> we'll see. So those are the obvious ones. I don't think we have anything more to say about those, really. But I think there are other potential losers, and this is what I got to before we had to get on microphone. I think one is Scales. I actually totally think Scales is a loser as well. I agree. I think. What's what's weird, though, is if you look at Scale's matchup spread, it's actually pretty good against a lot of stuff, but the sample size is not as much as we have for every other deck, really, every other popular deck. So it loses the good matchups. It loses Scam. It loses Beans. It has some other good ones, but losing decks with that much popularity that you have a strong matchup against is not good for you. I don't have much else to say about that. Yeah. It was that was the next one on my list though. Stan, any other losers you think? Yes, I'm, we got to, we got to talk about rhinos here. I think honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Rhinos is a tricky one. It's been cutting down on furies, like, but not just from fury. I think it has. So scam. I mean, excuse me. Rhinos has better than average, slightly better than average matchups against scam and omnath. And so it's losing those two okay matchups. But right, I think the you know meta game is big. There's going to be rising threats, yes. like we just talked about. Living end yes. a matchup I do not want to face. Uh, what's what's stuff like you know? I don't remember. I don't have the, the MTG meta grid. I'm going to pull it up. But like, what's what other kind of things do we think are going to be winners here that could impact Rhino's effectiveness? So I think Yog is is a big open question. I, I think Yog won big in this announcement. Fury was a huge problem for that card, um, and. Beanstalk decks were a problem for for Yogg. So if if those two are on the downswing, I think Yogg only has room to grow from this position. But the relationship between Yogg and Rhinos was was always a difficult one for the Yogg decks, and that's remained mostly true in this like post Fury metagame when Rhinos became more of a flashy blue deck, and I think it. It's going to be interesting to see whether that remains to be the case, like whether subtlety and Tidebinder are enough to kind of like keep Yogg on the back foot. Before we 
get into more details. I do think one thing that's really interesting that I wanted to mention is that Scam had a lot of strong matchups across the board. There were some weaker ones, of course, right? And then Four Color Midrange had fewer great matchups. In fact, it was a sub 50% deck, but they sort of covered the metagame between the two of them. There were a few decks that, like Hardened Scales, like I said, were both in the red for those decks. But between the two of them, they were taking care of the majority of the metagame, besides like Rhinos and Scales, like I mentioned, sorry, is this is effectively a reset of the metagame. And I don't think that we're going to have a great prediction of like what rises from this, but I am really curious to see what happens. And I'm, I'm particularly curious what you all have to, what you all think about like, you know, what would I start tinkering with or what would I want to take to my next event with those two probably being much less prevalent, if not, you know, completely eliminated in the case of scam doing what it does in the same way. Yeah, we were we were talking about the you know kind of the the matchup with Yawgmoth versus Rhinos. I'm very very curious to see if the loss of Fury kind of shifts the dynamic of that matchup because it's kind of weird. And I found this a lot ever since the introduction of the Agatha Soul Cauldron. I actually kind of found that the matchup was a little tougher than it was before. And I don't know if that was a shift, if it was only a shift because a lot of people were moving away from main deck Fury and Rhinos, or if it also had to do with the addition of Cauldron, because typically like you have to kill their Grist on site, but when you did, they would just Cauldron it. And then it's really hard to beat like multiple Gris. So that's, uh, that's definitely something that I, I want to keep an eye on. Like, I'm mean, just looking at scam, right? Like in just talking about popular decks that scam was really good against a lot of stuff, right? Like Omnath, Titan, Burn, Demir Control, Domain Zoo, Tron, Mill. I mean, you get, you get the idea here, right? Like, and then like, uh, Beans was covering Creativity, Hammer, Murktide. All of these things are going to get some kind of soft bump because of this potentially and impact the, the rest of the meta. And there's some stuff that was sort of just cruising in the middle, like Yogg, like Rhinos, uh, potentially things like, you know, Living End now doesn't have to maybe worry about the, you know, casual uh, Dothy Voidwalker or something like that. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm just sort of vamping here. Like, I don't have a great idea where I see things going. I mean, I, I will say, I kind of think Hammer is going to have a resurgence based on Fury just going away. Over overall, and like you said, maybe Beanstalk having a little bit less access to easy card, card easiest card draw, and having to go to the ring instead will help. But um, I think Hammer was already a little bit on an upswing, and I think it has a chance to go even higher as a result of this. I also wonder if we're just going to have one of those meta games for a minute where suddenly Titan is the second or third best deck for a little bit again, where it's going to be like you know, Rhinos, Yawgmoth, and Titan are going to move up, and then everything else is going to be kind of below it. But Interesting you mentioned Hammer there, because I was actually of the impression that Hammer already, like, Hammer had a good matchup against Scam. Would you say that's, would you say, would you guys say that's correct? So interestingly, Devin, Rakdos Scam would lose to Hammer time. It was a 42.7% deck against Hammer, but Four Color Midrange was strong against it at 58%. So between the two of them, you know, Hammer Time is kind of floating in the middle there. So it, I'm, I'm surprised to see that. Maybe just because, like, the number of creatures Hammer could do or, like, spitting out all of the Urza Saga tokens on that game plan or something like that. Yeah, Sanctifier in the post-board games was a, was a big thing, too. Or in like, if you ever just go Giver into Stoneforge and your opponent has a Fury, they can't kill both things, right? If they don't kill the, if they don't kill the Giver on one, then you just get to protect the Stoneforge. So it's like there are some really awkward lines up against Furies or, you know, Hammer against Fury. And also, I think the Living End matchup is pretty bad for Hammer. That's not typically a matchup you want to see from the Hammer side of things. 
Um, as far as losers, I actually, this might be kind of a, a weird kind of out there hot take, but I actually think coffers is kind of a big loser here. Oh no. Because yeah. Cause like scam and beans were two of probably it's better matchups. At least, you know, I, I've played a lot of the coffers decks and a lot of the coffers deck, and those have kind of been typically like matchups that I, I do want to face and Yogmoth and rhinos have been matchups. I definitely do not want to face Titan, and Titan's quite yeah, bad statistically Titan too. So yeah, those, those matchups are kind of tough from the coffer side of things. So yeah, even though it's like they didn't ban anything from coffers directly, it's just like the metagame I think is going to shift in such a way that probably is a little hostile towards coffers. I, you know, I've been looking at this grid of data for a couple hours now, right? And what what I like about it is I think they targeted the right stuff. Like not only it was, was awkward it, that while we sat here, while you looked at, at that yeah, that grid. was you know just just tapping your watch. <laughs> last couple hours, it's it's almost dawn in the UK right now. <laughs> Tanner cut it all out, but yeah, it was just just crickets. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what's what's interesting is like you know when you lose the consistency of especially scam is that stuff becomes a normal metagame again, right? Which is just like risers, fallers, metagame forces that are supposed to happen. Yeah. That, that even I, I've been thinking like in a weird way, does having fewer turn one grief scams potentially happening now actually just kind of like make everything a little better and thusly make nothing better and just like keep things more even like i wonder if more decks kind of move toward the 50 percent rage yeah i think the only the only thing is probably maybe like the the creature focus strategies or maybe overall a little stronger because specifically fury so maybe that does help something like yogmoth but then if that happens then people can play more rhinos or something like that right yeah i mean like we still have subtleties we still have brotherhood's ends we still have unholy heats and lightning bolts and fatal pushes like we, and and we have orcish bowmasters. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I like all these cards. I, I don't see Llanowar elves like suddenly flooding the metagame. And I don't I don't know that we're gonna like look at wider boards moving forward outside of the decks that already kind of do that now, such as Yogmoth and, and Scales and Living End. Wait, so Stan, you're telling me that, that humans is not gonna be the best deck in modern? <sighs> How could you? Devin, are you sitting down? <laughs> uh i well i don't need i, I can maybe not be <laughs> yeah, you're gonna want to stand up for this one <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know that humans is making the comeback but maybe i don't know it, i mean I, I do think it's interesting though that shane is kind of saying this is a metagame reset and stan is kind of saying yeah that that reset might be everything returning to the mean yeah to the middle some i don't know i mean let's we'll see it, there's no new decks, right? The reset is just people are going to play the decks that they were playing before, with the exception of the scam players. And then, you know, that's just going to be like all it's just going to be like it's it's weird. It's not really a reset. It's more of just like removing one deck and then everything else just playing against each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, what I was really getting at is just like it's it's putting it back to a normal metagame, which is there is not one thing that can op can oppress as many things as scam could, and so we just we play magic like Garfield intended, right? Which is just like I don't actually I don't know if he ever intended this to be the case, but you know the 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 metagame can suss itself out in different ways, and again give people the options to play decks that maybe have particularly good matchups, and you know, you're not going to walk into a tournament and have twenty percent hopefully not have 20% of the run be like, look, I could kind of try to consider the overall metagame and there's going to be this much Merktide or Rhinos is making a comeback lately or maybe got to think about living and I can just bring Scam mm -hmm. and care about nothing. Mm -hmm. D does Burn get better here? 
Does it go uh, from like 37% to 38%? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It, uh, maybe, maybe. It, I mean, it was particularly bad against Scam, and it was not great against four color mid range somehow. So, or like against like, you know, the Omnath deck. So, does it have good matchups? Like, I just. Uh, uh, oh, it's good against Green Tron. It's good, it's good against Mill. Classic. Oh, it's good against Rhinos. Like 70%. Yeah. Yeah. It, is, it is good against Rhinos. So, there, maybe it does. One last thing I want to mention on Fury. This is the first card banned out of MH2. First oh. first and only. True. Oh, an otherwise successful set. I mean, it took that took a while when you think about it that way, because they had to ban stuff out of MH1 uh, pretty fast, if you guys remember. I don't know if you remember, but uh, yeah. Luris. Probably like, like too long, though. <laughs> you, you say they waited too long? Probably. <laughs> I think so. Probably. I mean, it has been three and a half years or three and a half ish years since uh, since MH two came out, right? That was twenty nineteen. Well, no, that was twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. So I it's think. been two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. So where are we going from here, y'all? I'm going back to bed. Do we feel happy? <laughs> Do people are people happy? <laughs> I are you guys I, happy? I'm I'm happy enough. Like I mean, <laughs> I, I I like the option of Fury. <laughs> But this I, is every time I call Shane on the phone, Shane, are you happy? <laughs> are you I'm feeling? happy enough. I'm happy enough. Say, Dave, things are fine. I mean, I, I do. I would prefer that a format can self-regulate, and I think we we're seeing the inability of the format to self-regulate. That's why we talked. You know, I specifically even mentioned that like a few months ago, right, when there was no changes, and it was like, well, they just want to give people the opportunity to see if they can regulate the format themselves. Um, clearly, scales was not enough. And it'll never be enough because it's an artifact-based creature deck, right? And there's not wow. a lot of... The, Taking a shot at scale, another shot at scales for no reason. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that they did what they needed to do. And I'm glad to see Modern hopefully return to something that is more dynamic and gives people the opportunity to play a little bit more what they want. That's my I'm take. still going to cast Crashing Footfalls, whether it's good or not, but... <laughs> yes, my man. I mean, look... Between all of this, of course, you know, I was the only person on this podcast who liked to play Rakdos. No, I guess Shane did too. Towards the end, you picked it up. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm sad to have another one of my decks that I never thought would be the the quote-unquote best deck in the format rise to become the best deck in the format and get banned. Uh, but it is what it is. Clearly, it was a nuisance. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was a part of this. That's what I want to say to the uh, to the listeners. You need you need to get at us before you start playing your next deck, so we can invest before you know. Yes, I want to exactly. divest. I want to divest. Yes, yeah. you're going to short short furies. Um, I'm more excited about Smuggler's Copter being unbanned than anything, to be honest. So it's kind of like that vibe is making me happy enough with the whole uh, announcement overall that I'm just going to concentrate on that and go forward. I still can't believe they did that. My jaw dropped when I saw it. I was like, "What?" I mean, it really felt on Twitter like people had reached a consensus that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a, people were almost talking about it. Like it was a foregone conclusion. And I was kind of like, Oh, this is what we think now. Oh, okay. I guess <laughs> that would be cool if that happens. And then here it is. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Yeah. Truly wild. I'm going to cast that card a lot for the, over the next week and a half for Atlanta. Devin, Devin, what are you mm-hmm. liking for Atlanta amid the bands? 
well, I was planning on playing. I was thinking about after the announcement today, I was thinking about Boris Convoke, which I haven't got the chance to try it with Copter yet, but I played a little bit of Gruul. I played a little Soul Artifact, played a little Grease Fang, and played a really bad Hollow One deck that I thought was going to get better with Copter, but apparently it didn't. Uh, most impressive deck today was Gruul so far, but uh, I want to try Convoke too, and then I also want to try a little bit more Grease Fang. How's Inti looking to you right now? Ah, it's a good card, but it's a two mana two two, and two mana two twos in a Bone Crusher Giant format are not great. Mm, sad to hear. But like the other thing is maybe Copter makes Bone Crusher a little worse because it's a three three. So I have to see how that plays out. Well, my friends, I th- I think we're at a good stopping point. I think we we talked as much about this as we can. I'm overall I'm uh, if this is the way we keep moving forward with the type of announcements we get, I imagine we won't get as many words if they're not banning four cards. But uh, I'm all for it. Thanks, Watsy, for uh, thinking about re-looking at Pioneer, I suppose, and giving us some more tools to play with there. So you will watch the space, hopefully, for future happenings in Modern and Pioneer, and we will be here to tell them about you on future episodes of your hopefully favorite podcast, at least in Modern, or at least in Magic, The Dive Down. At least 2,000 of you. Yes, at least 2,000 (laughs) On Spotify. On Spotify. But that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet... Please subscribe to the podcast. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple Podcasts or you're on Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating or review or give us some comments in the podcast feedback. If you want to submit a question to us or reach out to us, say hey. You can tweet at us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. And you can check out the store, get some swag at the dive down.com slash store. Of course, head on over to Heavy Play. Get some of those incredible deck and dice boxes and play mats featuring the Equipment system. You can use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off your first order there. Uh, shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the dive down. You can use the promo code the dive down 23, all one word, for 10% off your first two months of running Magic Online cards there. And get some some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using code the dive down 23 all spelled out, for 15% off your first order. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Splace Blood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and get to the chopper!